You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. 702 and Cape Talk. The Literature Corner. And this half an hour, we are hanging out with Lauren Beekers, who is one of our country's best writers and international, not just a local success. And she is in the Cape studio this morning. We're going to be reviewing books, talking about sci-fi. I put that in heavy scare quotes because I think genre headings themselves need to be challenged. I know uh, she will agree with me on that. But broadly, what we traditionally refer to as science fiction, that is what we're going to talk about. Drop into this conversation, say, how's it to long? Lauren, uh, we'll have a general conversation, and I know many of you are big fans of her work, so you can also just call in and talk to her about her own writing. Uh, she's going to be with us for the next 30 minutes or so. Lauren, Huyamore, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I want to start with sci-fi. I said this morning, like an old man, oh, when I was a child, I used to love reading fantasy. Terry Brooks was my favorite in high school, for example. And then we do this uh, bloody annoying thing of thinking when you grow up, you must only read social realist stuff. And then you get into depressing novels like Disgrace and Nadine Gordimer's stuff, and you forget to remain a children. And that's why the kind of stuff that you write is so critically important, isn't it? Um, Science fiction, for example, what do you make of even that tag? I find it a very frustrating tag because people do have such a gut reaction to it. And it's interesting. Um, and I'm going to talk about movies and, and TV series just briefly, just because it's a, yeah. a more common touchstone for people to be able to connect with. But the number of people who are like, oh, well, I don't like sci-fi, but loved Black Panther or love Game of Thrones, <laughs> which is not sci-fi, but, you know, fantasy or Westworld. But something about like the books puts them off. But sci-fi is like, it's become like one of the biggest um, stables of like fiction and storytelling, especially in like movies and TV series. And it's really interesting to see people have this kind of still gut knee jerk reaction. Although I have also had people have a knee jerk reaction to me saying like, Oh, I just, I don't read science fiction and I don't read books by woman. Oh, wow. That is, that is something else. I, I think some of these descriptions are useful if you, I don't know, want to write a master's thesis on literature, but, um, that's where it should end. Uh, good writing is good writing. And sometimes this attempt to come up with a taxonomy of different categories of Mm -hmm. our books is really, really, really silly. But you encounter that all the time. For better or worse, how do you, for example, self describe your, your own literature? I describe myself as genre flexible. (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's uh, that's a good a good tag um, because sometimes when you think, oh my God, I'm setting out to write a nonfiction work, then you think, okay, then I can't use certain devices and techniques. What does genre flexibility allow you to do as a writer um, when you have that freedom to get outside of a of a hard label? You know, I th- listening to uh, your previous guests and um, and also just the news, I think that we are so overwhelmed with the world and the horrifying, terrible things that happen that we have no control over. And nonfiction is very useful because it kind of breaks down what happened and we can try to get some kind of understanding, but we don't necessarily deal with the emotional aspect of that. And fiction allows us to be more than we are. Stories are our way of understanding the world and it allows you to like step into someone else's skin, someone else's life, and that could be a very strange life, um, and use storytelling as a way of kind of dealing with your own emotional stuff as well as trying to get like get a, a handle on what's happening in the world. And where I think that um, I, I guess I would describe myself as more kind of high concept um, mm. than straight science fiction because I do move between genres. Um, so, for example, I've got a book about a time-traveling serial killer. 
uh, but that's actually a way of talking about the role, of, how the role of woman has changed in the world. Yes, um, yes and absolutely. How, and also how we talk about violence against women. And I think what science fiction does and high concept fiction and, and fiction with a weird twist where it changes something fundamental about the world and changes the rules slightly, it allows you to come up against that issue fatigue, to overcome issue fatigue, because I, no one wants to talk about violence against women. Or we do, but it's exhausting and it's so traumatizing. And to just give us that kind of veil of illusion between like the horrifying reality and this kind of really hopefully engaging story which carries you through and carries you along and helps you deal with all those emotions i think it's a really good way of like getting around it that's i was saying to one of my producers i remember i think it was probably now about four years ago lauren when i saw you being in conversation with rebecca davis at the franchuk literary festival mm -hmm. and one of the things that i found incredibly powerful and compelling while i was listening to you guys having a conversation on stage was how you were describing for example exactly as you've just done the incredible sort of comment on society the position of women having women protagonists questions around violence for example psychopathy and all sorts of things really serious psychological and political questions that any genre if it is well written can address and sometimes we think you have to go to the part of your shelf that says non-fiction yep. to understand the state of the nation absolutely and i think you know i think what fiction does is um fiction is a conversation and you know what i was recently uh, there was a conference at unisa unisa it was a wonderful conference um and they invited me to, to be a guest speaker there with amanda palmer which was amazing but before we went on there was a uh, three different presentations on my work and I was sitting there in the audience while these very nice academics were actually saying very nice things about my work. And that was, it was great. Thank God they didn't tear me to shreds. But I was, I was mortified because I didn't belong there. Um, even if they, ha if, even if they had been critical, it doesn't matter. I didn't belong in that room because a book is not a conversation between the author and the reader. The conversation that takes place is between the reader and the book. You have to let go of that text and it raises interesting questions. And I'm, I love when readers come to me afterwards and like want to talk about something that the book raised for them or ask me about something that I hadn't even thought about. I was like, Oh my God, that's a really good point. I, I guess the book is smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> that's stunning. 12 minutes after 11. Let's take a little bit of a breather there, Lauren. Have you read Lauren's books and which ones did you enjoy the most? Are there questions you want to raise with her? And, um, she's done amazingly well here, North America and elsewhere. I mean, books been translated into, I think by now at least 23 different languages, if I've got that right. The Shining Girls, Broken Monsters, and Zoo City. 011-883-0702. Call in, say how's it, talk to her and to me. And in terms of sci-fi or fantasy or genres that are just experimental, which ones do you love? Which authors are the ones that um, tickle your fancy? You can um, trade stories about them with uh, Lauren on 021-446-0567. And I'm also going to ask her to comment on a couple of examples of books that she has read, uh, broadly speaking, science sci-fi and to review them on the other side of this. 702 and Cape Talk, The Literature Corner. 16 minutes after 11, we hang out with Lauren Bierkes uh, this week. Lauren, let's talk some books. We all read different things. I haven't read any of these books that my producer says that you might review for us. The City and the City, what is that all about? The City and the City, uh, these are all slightly older books, but I thought they might be interesting as kind of a grounding for, yeah. um, for people who are maybe new to science fiction. It's a book by China Mirville. Uh, it's his slimmest one. Uh, the rest are kind of, you, you could probably kill someone with them by dropping them from a height. <laughs> um, and it's a wonderful detective story about 
two parallel universes and which intersect. And there, there are two cities and you can actually see from one city into the other. There are kind of connection points. And he's trying to solve a crime in the one city, which is affected by the other. And you're not supposed to look when you, when you cross between these two worlds or cross, you, you don't actually cross between them, but like when you walk through the streets and sometimes you walk through a shared street and you can see into the other world and the other city is better and it's nicer and the people are more well dressed and the living conditions are better. And it's such an elegant metaphor for our stratified society and the fact that we do constantly intersect with these parallel worlds. You kind of glance by them. Mm. You often don't acknowledge them. And, and it's just, it's a beautiful metaphor for apartheid. It's a beautiful metaphor for like East and West Berlin. Um, and, and socioeconomics, how we deal with race and how we deal with, um, poverty and the wealth discrepancies. It's, it's, really smart and interesting and really it's a classic idea of a book which just takes the world and twists it a little bit as an interesting way of commenting on something that we live with every day and it gives you enough distance that you can be like oh my god that's exactly what we do mm. how well did, did it do because it came out what way back in 2009 already right yeah no it's done very well i believe they're making it into a movie or a series at the moment um, because there's a you know like Readers might not think this, but science fiction is like super hot property in, uh, in Hollywood right now, you know, for TV series and movie ad- adaptations. That's absolutely amazing. And I'm just thinking as you're describing there the basic sort of plot and what it's about, our cities and just in terms of the cityscape, our geographies, I mean, you get a million and one different versions of Cape Town absolutely. depending on how you enter it, for example. And it's always really, really awesome when you have like a, a work of literature that kind of like brings it out. Do you know about the concept of psychogeographies? No. So it's it's the idea of kind of um, I'm going to botch this and we're going to have people phoning in to complain, but um, <laughs> it's the fact that the, it, it's the impressions of a city. It is the psychological uh, geography of space, and you know I think especially in somewhere like Cape Town, where you've had forced removals, where there's so much there's so many layers of history, but not just the density of history. But people's personal experiences, that this street corner means something to you in your memory and it means something else to the homeless person who's sleeping there that morning or someone else because it's right on the corner by the gay clubs and they had the best night of their lives there and came out. So it is it is this kind of psychological effect of city and like looking at those um, those ghost impressions of, of everything, of history, of personal experience. And I think he does that very well and it's something I'm interested in, in my own work as well. Absolutely. Now, one novel that um, surprised uh, one of my other colleagues when we said you're going to talk about it is The Handmaid's Tale, which, of course, is a dystopian novel, has done incredibly, incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- why, why that one? And speak to us about that one. Obviously, Margaret Atwood is a giant. First, I want to know why your colleague was surprised. I'm not sure. He's going to have to come and tell us. Mama, why were you surprised? <laughs> Did you not think of it as science fiction? Is it literature? Because it's a literary author. I suspect that's probably why it's literature. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, so this is a, like a classic example, you know. Um, it, so it is. It's dystopian fiction again. It's taking um, completely plausible concerns. I believe it originally came out in 1987, um, and it's looking at the fight for women's rights, which again is something very close to my heart. Um, and especially our sexual freedom and our reproductive rights and women being reduced to just being a reproductive resource. Mm. And I think The Handmaid's Tale is absolutely fascinating. It posits a world where um, women have stopped giving birth to children and 
And there's a huge fertility problem. So this crazy society called called Gilead, they're very religious and fundamentalist. um, And they decide that they're going to create handmaids. And they they kidnap women who are still fertile and force them to be not even a sister wife. They're, They're literally just the vagina that is supposed to get impregnated and the womb to carry the child. And the handmaid will literally lie between the wife's legs while the husband is having sex with the handmaid. And it's supposed to be kind of this union, and it's just so disturbing and so horrible. And we see this happen all the time to a much lesser extent. Obviously, this is, and again, this is what science fiction does, is it takes an idea of something that's already happening. It takes the seed of something that is already happening, and it grows it into a conceptual tree. Um, and, and seeing like what this tree could be and like how it's blooming and how strange and, and terrifying it is. And it's not so far from where we are right now. You know, with with women's rights being undermined constantly, with um, men feeling that they need to be in in positions of power, domestic violence, uh, regulations around abortion, it's it's really scary, and it's and she handles it so well, and it's this very mm-hmm. personal story, and it, it yeah. just works brilliantly. And of course, also again, like an, an amazing TV series, but very harrowing. It's it's definitely not Black Panther. You're not going to come out going, "Wow, you're going to kind of need a stiff drink afterwards." <laughs> you know, she's reflected quite a lot in this science fiction tag as well. Absolutely. And um, I want to read a quote here, which I think wonderfully resonates with what you had said a little bit earlier. And we both agree on, Lauren, in terms of the dangers of some of these sort of hard classifications. And this is what she had to say, um, drawing a distinction between science fiction and speculative fiction. I like to make a distinction between science fiction proper and speculative fiction. For me, the science fiction label belongs on books with things in them that we can't yet do such as uh, going through a wormhole in space to another universe. And speculative fiction means a work that employs the means already to hand, such as DNA identification and credit cards, and that takes place on planet Earth. These terms are fluid. And I, I really like that. I really like that. And that gives you a sense of why, to your other point, uh, one can deal with some incredibly important issues such as misogyny in speculative fiction. You're not trying to escape from reality. You're also, of course, trying to draw attention to things that actually are feasible in nearby worlds. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think I think there has been a lot of pushback against her for that, and I think she's also walked back on some of those quotes. Um, I think the problem is, you know, as with any kind of identification, it means different things to different people. And, um, you know, like what she's describing where it's more kind of almost possible technology that's that you know like a lot of people call that mundane science fiction because it's more in the possibility of the real but you know i i love blowing things up i love like you know having crazy unexplained things happen like in zoo city where you know criminals have magical animals and i don't know where they come from i'm not going to tell you where they come from but it's a way of kind of looking at segregation. It's looking at, you know, kind of having a scarlet letter that marks you out in society, the way we talk about crime and criminality, what you do with the things that have been done to you yes. and the things that you have done. How do we come to terms with the past? Absolutely. And I could have done that in a more mundane way, but it was much more fun and strange and magical and hopefully engaging mm. in the way that I did it. And I wrote the story because that's the way it came out. Daryl in London, good morning to you. Hi, it's Daryl speaking. Go ahead, Daryl. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Eusebius. Um, I just wondered if your guest had read uh, Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. It's very similar to the city, uh, city in a City. Also, just pointing out that, that world that exists that's 
almost in plain sight, but we just don't see it because of the way we live our lives. Um, I just wondered if she had any comments on the book. Had you read it, and what did you make of it? I've never heard of it myself, but why are you asking, Daryl? Did it particularly resonate with you? Well, I just thought it was a really interesting book. Uh, it's a, it's a, it is a science fiction or a fantasy book, mm-hmm. and he, he writes uh, quite... Uh, uh, he's got a very good writing style, but it was interesting because he talks about this... this uh, beneath London, there's this, this uh, un-London or this other London that exists, yeah. and, you know, it, it, a long story, but... It was interesting because it, it's, it, it existed in exactly the same place that oh, the, okay. the supposed normal people live their lives. I see what you mean. Yeah. They never actually see that. They never experience those things, although it's right in their face. And it's kind of like, I suppose, our society today where there's so much that is there, but maybe we don't see it, you know? That sounds very cool. Did you enjoy the read? Recommend it? It was scary in places. Um, <laughs> it was brilliant. It's one don't of the best don't read my stuff then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Daryl. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, do you know that particular author? Oh, absolutely. Book? Um, uh, mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman was actually in Cape Town uh, last month, and oh, wow, okay. uh, we hung out a little bit. He was filming Good Omens, which is uh, the TV series based on his book that he wrote together with Terry Pratchett. Um, and he's just wonderful, and he has a very strange mind, and and he definitely does kind of again play with those ideas of psychogeographies and what what lies beneath and kind of the unexplained. And I think that's also a very human condition. Is we want to imagine, we want to believe, we want to like connect with something that is more than us. And you know what? When, what books are, books do that. Books allow us to connect with something more than us. And if you're looking at your existential crisis of we are all alone at the end of the day and we are all stuck inside our heads, books give us something else to like pack in there with us, to have another world that we can like bring into ourselves and contain it within us. Have you read um, Neverwhere? Yes, it was amazing. And also uh, there's some great uh, things tied into uh, like all, all the subway stations have. If That's I remember, what I'm asking you. I can just yeah. imagine because London is a city. I remember the first time I went there, I was lucky enough to be on a travel bursary. And we had this most amazing person who walked us from various parts of London. The architecture, the history, it's absolutely stunning. I would imagine for a novelist of the caliber that you've just described, it must have been like just a gift to use that uh, as the geography with which to explore these different psychologies. Absolutely. And and like all the all the stations like Angel or um, Islington have like guardians, I think I read it like 20 years ago, that are attached to kind of magical beings that that are connected specifically to the stations. It's fantastic. I'm, That's very cool. Yeah. Let's take two quick authors before two two quick calls before we end. David in Northcliffe, welcome. Thanks for calling in today. Hey, Shiva, thank you, man. What it's do you want to say, David? Go to, ahead. It's, it's just great to hear this conversation. Well, for so you. many years, I've had to defend science fiction. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I'm an avid science. I'm an avid sci-fi reader, and people just don't understand the depth. Of what's, of what's available in sci-fi. You know, they think it's Star Trek and they think it's Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's just so much more. There's ethics, politics. It, it's wonderful. And there's stuff and with I'm, aliens I'm if you want it. There's stuff with aliens if you want it and there's stuff which has zero aliens and is actually more kind of Black Mirror, strange twists of our current technologies. There, It's such a broad church. It's it's a very reductive label, actually. It's mm. And it's very frustrating. Arthur in Claremont, welcome. Uh, morning, Sheba. Uh, I want to recommend some psychogeographical authors. Uh, locally, Ivan Vladislavich, the rest oh, yes. of the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Uh, overseas, Ian Sinclair, Michael Moorcock, and Peter Aykroyd. They all do psychogeography. Fantastic. Great, thanks. 
Thanks, Arthur. Thanks for those recommendations. So I think a lot of people is into it. Maybe what we don't do enough, particularly on even spaces like my own, Lauren, is making sure we lift those to the surface. We think, oh, well, if you're a goth in your 20s, you're going to read this and then you're going to move on from there to Nadine Gordimer. Yep. Well, you know, I just I wanted to touch on something else. Just while we're talking about psychogeographies and um, uh, and exploring cities and like the underneath of cities, I've just read the most amazing book. Uh, it's a nonfiction. It's called Explore Everything by Bradley Garrett. Um, and he's an urban explorer who breaks into like the disused subways uh, underneath London and the catacombs in Paris, but then also like really strange industrial spaces. And and he talks a lot about kind of. Um, uh, the inner architecture, architecture of cities. And I actually use that as a title and I use the theme for a short story, which is coming out with Audible later this year. Um, and it's just, it's, it, I'm very interested in the actual technical underneath stuff, which happens, not just kind of the mystical or the magical, uh, or what happens in our belief systems. You yeah. know, it's, and it's also interesting, like, you know, with someone like, um, Mahalo Mashigo's book, The Yearning, which does deal with Sangomas yeah. and um, the spirits of the ancestors. Is that then a fantasy because it's dealing with the ancestors? I mean, where do you, where do we draw this line? Absolutely. You know, because that is last... fundamental to people's beliefs. So That's and, right. What yeah. do you do with the last pages of 13 Cents by Dacre when it gets all magic realist? Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think we need to understand that there's a lot of room for different people's beliefs. And that's not to say that I believe in aliens or ghosts or sure. <laughs> anything else. Um, but I absolutely respect other people's like foundational beliefs. Lauren, I think we have thank, to be careful. Thanks for coming on this show. We are enormously proud of what you have gifted the country and the world with your work. And uh, despite you saying you felt slightly odd being in an audience talking about your work, I think one of the other things, which not all writers have, it's just different skill sets, is a remarkable ability to speak um, as brilliantly about literature as your actual writing as well. So thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much. Okay, that was Lauren Bierkus. Do check out her work in the unlikely event that you haven't tried them out. Her novels include The Shining Girls, Broken Monsters, and Zoo City. And really, that's about as big an author as you will get on the Literature Corner.